It is Thursday, the last day of September here in DraftShark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 4 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Small. And Jared, we've got Jacksonville at Cincinnati tonight. I know they want to market it as a battle of number one picks, but I'm not sure battle is the word I would use for this game. Yeah, I enjoy all these football games, you know, especially when we got what should be a big spot for Joe Mixon. So I think that's, you know, that's what we're rooting for tonight. That's right. I already put some money on uh, Joe Mixon in the underdog uh, weekly stuff. So we'll see where things go. The Bengals are seven and a half point favorites at home in this one after clobbering Pittsburgh on the road last week. It's an over under 46. We'll start on the Jacksonville side where James Robinson has rebounded from a frightening level of usage in week one. Look better the past couple of weeks. 65% of the running back carries last week against Arizona. He's fourth on the team in target so far, but tied for ninth among all running backs in the league. So it seems like things are going better for James Robinson now than we might have feared coming out of week one. He's also playing well. He's second in PFF rushing grade among 60 qualifying running backs. He's seventh among those 60 in elusive rating. That that passing game usage you mentioned is nice since you know Jacksonville is so bad. They're playing from behind so often. Um, Cincinnati's defense has been better than expected so far. I mean, they've opened with Minnesota and then Chicago and Pittsburgh. So, you know, two pretty easy matchups on the defensive side, but um, it'll be interesting to, to kind of track, you know, whether this Bengals defense is at least mediocre this season. I, I think it might be. That's right. I mean, we've got them way up the DVOA rankings on football outsiders. I think that I, I think I believe that they're better than they have been the past couple of years. I'm not ready to believe that it's a matchup that you worry about. So I, I would say my reaction to what we've seen so far is, don't say, ooh, the Bengals, everybody's going to go off. But also don't say, uh-oh, look what the Bengals just did to Pittsburgh. I mean, what's helping them too, and we'll get into this when we talk about the Bengals offense, but they're, they're just playing so slow and they're playing so run heavy. I think that's, you know, that's limiting the chances for the opposing offense. Mm-hmm. Still on Jacksonville side, Marvin Jones, 9, 11, and 8 targets so far, 24% target share through three games, leads the team there. He's six total targets ahead of number two, DJ Chark, seven ahead of LaVisca Chenault. I think Marvin Jones is easily the top play among the three. They're all kind of in play at some level, but it's Marvin Jones, and I can't say I'm overly interested in Chark and Chanel. Yeah, J- Jones is like the only thing working in this passing game so far. I- I'd feel you know good using Marvin Jones as like a wide receiver three. I would try not to use DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel. You know, Char- Chark's out 12 targets in the opener. He has just 10 in the two games since. So even his like you know total targets, I think, are a bit inflated. And then Chanel, I mean, just the way they're using him, he has a, he has a five yard average depth of target. Like it's it's just tough to produce in fantasy when you know your chances are coming back close to the to the line of scrimmage. And especially when your offense isn't playing very well, including that quarterback, it's a matchup that's better for all of the receivers because the Bengals are without safety Jesse Bates. They're without corner Chidobi Awuzie. I think that leaves some upside for Trevor Lawrence, but there's just too much else at quarterback right now for me to rely on a rookie on the road. Who's just not playing well in general. Yeah. Like I, I keep waiting for Lawrence to get it going. I still believe in the talent. So I, I would not be surprised if he comes out and has a pretty nice game in this spot. But um, yeah, I think he, he should only be in play in two quarterback leagues. Yeah. I think he could do anything from 300 yards, three touchdowns, two picks in this game to like <laughs> 190, one touchdown, three picks. Exactly. We do have a question specifically on Trevor Lawrence, though. Travis Zuschlag 
from Facebook, Superflex wants to know whether he should play Trevor Lawrence or Mike Williams at the Superflex spot. That's a tough one. That is tough. And I feel like look at our projections. I mean, it's almost always the quarterback in those situations. I can't imagine Mike Williams isn't one of your, you know, top three wide receivers at this point. But I mean, I guess if it's between those two, I, I'd go Lawrence though, just because the quarterbacks give you such a higher floor just because you know they're going to get you know they're going to drop back 35 40 times yeah I have a hard time believing that Mike Williams isn't one of the top two wide receivers (laughs) on this in this lineup so I agree if you really have to come down to deciding between those two guys at Superflex I I think you have to lean Lawrence just because of that floor because I mean Mike Williams could have a good game and just see five targets and not give you anything that just happens at wide receiver even when you're playing well but um, Trevor Lawrence is always going to get the ball. So I would lean slightly that way. I sure wouldn't feel good about it. And I would hope that Mike, Mike Williams can actually find the way uh, into the lineup anyway. On the Cincinnati side of this one, Jamar Chase has scored plenty of points so far. I believe he just won Offensive Rookie of the Month or whatever it is that they handed out. Um, he's just 42nd in our expected fantasy points metric so far. He's near Allen Robinson in that range. And I think the the big key to remember with Jamar Chase here is that He's propped up by touchdowns. Four of those so far. That's pushing him to 11th in PPR points at the position. He's tied for 56th in targets, tied for 47th in catches, but tied for 18th in yards and tied for second in touchdowns. Yeah, he he can't keep up this pace if the usage remains. Now, again, the the problem for this whole Bengals offense really is just they're 32nd in situation neutral pass rate. They're 31st in situation neutral pace. So it's just a slow run heavy offense right now. So you know, that that's the problem. Jamar Chase has a 21% target share. That's a fine number, but they're just not throwing it enough. T Higgins is out again tonight. So that helps Chase and Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, I, Chase, again, he's not going to keep up this pace, but I think, especially in this matchup, you know, I, I think Chase is a wide receiver two and Tyler Boyd's like a wide receiver three tonight. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to play Jamar Chase tonight. I think you also consider him a potential sell-high candidate at this point, especially um, with his numbers helped the past two weeks by uh, T. Higgins being out. Tyler Boyd, I agree, is also a fairly easy start this week. 25% target share for him on the season. He leads Cincinnati in that category. By the way, Jamar Chase is only one target, one catch ahead of T. Higgins, despite playing one more game than Higgins so far this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, Joe Burrow is playing well. So, like, I, I do I, – I think Cincinnati's going to – they're not going to be this run-heavy all season. Like, I, I, do, I think they're easing Burrow in. You know, these early games, they've had a chance to kind of run, you know, especially last week, playing with the lead most of that game against Pittsburgh. So, I do think this is going to turn around until it does. You know, you know, Burrow sits outside our top 12 quarterbacks despite the matchup this week just because you can't project him for a ton of passing volume. Yeah, I agree with that. Two-plus touchdown passes in each game so far, but he's just quarterback 21 in fantasy points, nine total rushing yards, and three of his five rushing attempts rushing attempts last week against Pittsburgh were kneeled down, so he's not even trying to run the ball really so far. Joe Mixon, you mentioned, delivered big time in week one. Seems like a good spot. He played the workhorse role at the beginning of the year that we were hoping he would play. Hasn't looked quite so much like that since then, especially last week, though. I mean, the, the targets haven't been there, and again, it's a lot of it's because there just hasn't been passing volume in Cincinnati in general. Um, you know, Mixon sitting on a 9% target share. You'd like to see that higher as well. Um, he, he is losing some passing down snaps to both P Ryan and Chris Evans. Um, I mean, it's, it's still, you know, Mixon's backfield, the, the rushing volumes there. He's second in the NFL with 67 carries behind only Derek Henry. And again, in, in this spot with the Bengals seven point home favorites, like Mixon's a good bet to get 20, uh, 20 carries tonight. 
Yeah, and I, I would like to believe that the some elevation in pass routes for Chris Evans and Samaje Piran last week came because it was a lopsided victory for Cincinnati. But, you know, we'll see where that goes going forward. Not worried at this point, but something worth watching. By the way, Travis says that he's got Keenan Allen, C.D. Lamb, and Robert Woods at wide receiver. I would definitely be playing Mike Williams over Robert Woods at this point. Yes, for sure. New York Giants at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are seven and a half point favorites, and that's down two from where it opened. Both of those points have been shaved off of the Saints implied total. The over-under is at 41, which is down two and a half points from open. It's the lowest total for the week by a half a point ahead of Lions-Bears. The Giants have the second lowest implied team total for the week, and they're closer to last place Houston than they are to third to last Jets. I mean, I think that tells a lot of the story for the Giants side in this one, and they're going to be missing most likely Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton from this game too. Yeah, so definitely time to hop off. Daniel Jones is like a one quarterback spot there. You know, he's he's been good so far, but tough matchup here, um, and missing two of his top three wide receivers. Kenny Galladay is is the guy who I mean he should get a volume boost with Shepard and Slayton out. His Galladay's snaps were scaled back a bit last week, and their wide receiver coach talked about that. He basically said, you know, Galladay's still not in game shape after missing all that time in the summer. So that that'll be worth watching. It seems like they almost have to play him in you know, a full-time role with those wide receiver injuries. But, um, you know, tough spot for the offense in general. So, for me, Galladay is just a wide receiver three, even with those other wide receiver injuries. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. The Saints' third and overall defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders so far, sixth against the pass, third against the run. So, they're playing all of it pretty well. And the Giants aren't doing anything well enough to really combat that. Saquon Barkley is the other guy worth talking about. Its usage has been good. That's really – all I have to say for him at this point, though, he's propped up by the receiving, you know, either if we're talking proje- uh, production or projection, but these, he's really only seen one worthwhile game of target so far. I want to believe that last week showed us what we're going to get going forward as he gets further removed from the injury, but I also kind of need more than one game before I can absolutely trust it. I mean, yeah, you can't absolutely trust it yet, but I mean, I, I think we thought all along, that, you know, week one, definitely limited week two on the short week. We kind of thought limited and this is kind of when we thought, to be unleashed and he was unleashed 86 percent of the snaps 16 of the 19 running back carries seven targets it was a 20 percent target share um and again with Shepard and Slayton out like I think you project Barkley for about 20 percent of the targets again so tough matchup you know tough spot for the offense but volume alone I think you know makes Barkley a top 12 running back play this week yeah it doesn't feel awesome to play him right now but I think the the target volume you have to project for him and, and that makes it a little bit comfier to start him in PPR I do think I would play Jonathan Taylor Nick Chubb and James Robinson over Saquon Barkley if I were making those decisions though Chubb I could see I'm playing Barkley over the other the other two um just just for the volume you mentioned Kenny Galladay I think there's also a potential target boost for Evan Ingram in this one he wasn't quite back to his normal playing time in week three but did play 56 percent snap share saw six targets that was third on the team behind a tie for Saquon Barkley and Colin Johnson who I'm not playing this week right I mean the Giants other receivers behind Galladay are going to be Colin Johnson Kadarius Tony, CJ Board Ingram's always a tough guy to trust uh, I think you can probably do better in like season-long lineups um, but I do think he's interesting for a DFS at least uh, I'm sure he's cheap on most of the, the the sites and again you know he he should be one of the top three options in this passing game this week I mean, if we're t- if we're comparing Evan Ingram with like Dallas Goddard, I-, I think that Evan Ingram's probably got higher target ceiling this week. Yeah. Oh, and Ingr- Ingram's usage is is like already better than Goddard in his you know first game back. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to get too far down the tight end rankings before it's like nah, shrug emoji. Yep. Anything else in that game? 
Oh, we got the New Orleans side. I, I, do, I mean, because of the Giants have me so uninterested, it, it makes the rest of the game disappear. That said, I'm not sure there's a whole lot worth talking about on the Saints side besides like Alvin Kamara. Yeah, it's Kamara. Um, I mean, th- this this offense super slow, super run heavy. I mean, Javis Winston has 63 pass attempts through three games, so there's nothing to like in the passing game. Kamara, his passing game usage is a bit disappointing just because the volume as a team's been so low, but his you know rushing volume. I mean, he's topped 20 carries twice already this season. He had only done that two times in his, his entire career before this year. So, you know, he's he's uh, getting the best usage of his career so far. Mm-hmm. And if somehow the targets started going toward Marquez Callaway, I think he has the ability to produce, but we haven't seen the targets there yet. So there's no reason to start believing that in week four, especially when they're heavy favorites. Yeah, no, no reason for the Saints to you know throw it more than they have been in this game. Kansas City at Philadelphia. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites, which is bold after they got beaten at home. But over under 53-and-a-half, it's the second-highest total for the week. The Chiefs carry the second-highest team total at 30.75 implied points. They're coming off scoring just 24 at home against the Chargers, but did put up a season-high 437 yards in that one, turned it over four times. We're not going to see that most of the time. So I think all your Chiefs options here should be just fine. Yeah, the usuals, um, I, I would – Looking to selling McCole Hardman this week. I know, you know, he just ha- is coming off a decent game. He finished uh, wide receiver 34 last week, but his route rates are actually declining. They went 84% in week one, down to 76% in week two, 60% last week. He's starting to lose more to Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. And the Chiefs, of course, just added Josh Gordon. Who knows what he's going to end up doing, but it's another option at least. So it seems like the Chiefs are kind of like realizing again that, you know, Hardman's better off in this like gadget role than as like the clear number two cut wide receiver. So not a guy I would trust in fantasy lineups. Again, if you have him, I'd be looking to, you know, potentially sell high this week. Yeah. I wouldn't be going shopping Hardman on his own. Cause I don't think there are too many people that are strongly believing in Hardman, but he could look attractive as part of a trade package. You know, chiefs players are always attractive uh, to fantasy owners. Clyde Edwards, he is a little bit easier to roll out for week four after he had a good week three as well. He did. He, he produced. I mean, the usage wasn't a whole lot better. You know, he still only saw, I believe, those two targets. Um, you know, kind of capitalized on the good matchup against the Chargers. Um, another decent matchup here, I guess. I mean, Philly's run defense, I think, looks fine on paper, but, you know, they're 22nd in football outsiders run D. They just got gashed by the Cowboys on Monday night. So it's a, it's a decent spot for Everett. Like, I still think he's like a running back, too. That is going to give you some RB1 weeks just because of the, the how good the Chiefs offense is. Yeah, at some point he's going to luck into touchdowns like Julio Jones. Yep. The Chiefs defense, by the way, has allowed 457, 481, and 352 total yards in three games. The third most total yards allowed through three weeks. The second most points allowed, 31.7 per game. They've allowed more points and yards than they have produced so far. So it's a nice spot for the Philly offense coming off a disappointing outing at Dallas. Jalen Hurts has not been stellar in real life, but has been stellar for fantasy usage so far. Ninth in total points, but one of the few QBs that has delivered starter level production every single week so far. Right. His fantasy finishes have gone fifth, 10th and 10th. Um, and that's despite not playing well as a passer. Um, you know, it's the, the, the rushing just, it's, it's hard for him not to finish as a top 12 quarterback when you have the rushing production he does. Um, you know, the, the chiefs already played Lamar Jackson, gave up 107 rushing yards and two touchdowns to him. So, uh, yeah, as you said, the, the Chiefs defense hasn't really been capable of stopping anything yet. I assume that we'll see a different game plan this week. The Eagles came out at Dallas like they thought that they were going to have to win a shootout. They were basically 
approaching it the way Dallas seemed to at Tampa Bay. The problem is Philly is not equipped to play that kind of football. They don't have the wide receivers that Dallas does. They don't have the quarterback that Dallas does. It did not work. So I would assume that they run the ball a little bit more early in this one against Kansas City. That should mean better usage for Miles Sanders. His week three usage was appalling, but it was not in line with what he got the first two weeks, which was better. It's certainly not somebody that you can depend on for fantasy production right now, but Miles Sanders should be okay like middle, low uh, RB2 range. Yeah, I'd expect them to kind of lean on him early in this game. It's a, it's a good matchup. Um, the, the concern is, you know, when Philly falls behind, they start getting uh, kind of game on the field. So that's kind of the downside with Sanders. But again, the matchup's good. Uh, the Chiefs have allowed 5.0 yards per carry through running back so far. The pass catchers otherwise, I think, are going to be flimsy. But for this game and beyond, um, we'll start with Devontae Smith because he does lead the team in targets, just two ahead of Jalen Rager, but he's behind Rager in receptions. He's caught just 52% of the passes thrown his way, and it's been more of a Jalen Hurts issue than it has been a Devontae Smith issue. He's added some yardage through pass interference calls that he's drawn on defenders. Zero drops so far for three, through three games for the rookie, but here are Jalen Hurts's uh, QB ratings on balls thrown toward Devontae Smith. In week one, 148 and a half, mm-hmm. which kind of set us all up to expect more than what we've gotten the past two weeks. Past two weeks, 39.6, 23.6. So Devontae Smith has upside, but he's a little tough to like right now. He is like, you know, to me, he's like a wide receiver four moving forward. I think, I think you can upgrade him to like wide receiver three status this week because of the matchup. Um, The the Chiefs have already allowed four wide receivers to score 19 plus PPR points. And I do still think, you know, Smith is the top wide receiver on this team. I know the targets have gotten closer, um, but I, I think he's the best target bet among the wide receivers going forward. I definitely agree with that. The targets would look better if there hadn't been multiple plays negated by penalty so far. And he's had a few deep balls that were pretty close to hitting. So uh, there's more to Devontae Smith than the other guys. It has been a solid start for Jalen Rager, though, especially considering the negative buzz on him this summer. That said, what you're hoping for from him right now is four to five catches and like 40 to 50 yards. So it's not worth the downside risk to chase that in most cases. Yeah, you definitely should be able to do better than Rager. He, he's 40th among wide receivers and targets, 48th in air yards. So, you know, he's, he's basically getting like wide receiver four type usage. And I think, you know, you probably bet on him being less efficient than average, just, you know, catching balls from Jalen Hurts. It's a positive matchup for Eagles tight ends, but there's no split in roles for Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. They're cannibalizing each other's value. They've, they've, seen, they've each seen 11 targets now through three games. And Monday night, it was seven for Zach Ertz versus uh, four for Dallas Goddard, even in a game where Jalen Hurts threw 39 passes. So, I mean, you know, one might be fine this week. They both might be okay, but there's not a reason to really like either one, I don't think. No, there's not. Um, so, so Goddard is... 22nd among tight ends in our expected fantasy points and Zach Ertz is 28th so like you know they're they're getting like low end tight end to usage both of them it's basically higher profile Austin Hooper and David Njoku pretty pretty much I I don't want any other any part of either defense in this one I people probably aren't playing the Eagles against the Chiefs but I have seen the Chiefs floated as a streaming option when the defense is playing as poorly as Kansas City is right now I'm not chasing the Jalen Hurts matchup because I think there's while there's a chance that the ball gets turned over and that there are some sacks the Chiefs haven't been good on the sack front there's also a chance that Philly scores you know 25 to 30 points in this game yeah I mean it's it's also a good streaming week you know there's like three or four defenses I would you know much prefer over the Chiefs as a streamer yes I agree with that and we'll hit on a few of those as we move through anything else from this game first though nope Houston at Buffalo the Bills by 16 and a half because apparently mm-hmm. this one's a college game now 
over under 46 and a half. I mean, there's no surprise that Houston has the lowest implied total on the week. Bills are the highest at 31.25. The Texan side is easy. It's absolutely nothing but Brandon Cooks. Yep. I mean, I will say like, Davis Mills wasn't a disaster in his first start last Thursday night, which just helps Brandon Cooks. And Cooks has seen 43% of Davis Mills' targets over the past two weeks, which honestly is like right around what he was seeing from Tyrod Taylor too. So, I mean, we know where the ball is going here. Um, tough matchup for Cooks. He's going to see a decent amount of Trey White, but like he, he he's very likely going to get 10 plus targets again. So it makes him a pretty safe fantasy play. Right. If you get 12 targets, you can catch five and still have a solid fantasy day. Exactly. On the Buffalo side, everything's in play. Even Emmanuel Sanders down at the number three spot at wide receiver for the Bills is averaging 6.7 targets per game so far. Yeah, we, we talked about it last week. You know, the Bills, the pass heaviest offense in the NFL, the, the they're down to second in situation neutral pace now, but, you know, they're still a fast-paced offense. So there's plenty to go around for all these wide receivers. I mean, Bees, Cole Beasley's 18th in expected fantasy points, and Emmanuel Sanders is 19th in expected fantasy points. And Stephon Diggs, he started slow, but he's fifth in expected fantasy points. So you have three wide receivers here in the top 20 in expected fantasy points, which, you know, again, just tells you how often the Bills are throwing the football. And even beyond those guys, Dawson Knox only has 12 targets so far through three games, clear fourth on the team, but run the ninth most pass routes among tight ends. So, I mean, he's probably going to stay the clear fourth option in Buffalo, but there's weekly upside and he, he can be the guy that gets four targets, catches three and scores a touchdown in any given week. So somebody that's kind of nice to have around in a deeper league or as a fallback option, if your starter gets injured and then Zach Moss is a risk reward running back. He has scored on 11 and a half percent of his touches through his two games since returning from being a healthy scratch in week one. That's not going to continue, but that is the reward. He has that touchdown upside for a team that again is implied for the most points yep. this week. And he's getting the goal line stuff. He's definitely getting the goal line stuff. Um, five opportunities inside the 10 yard line last week for Zach Moss, just one for Devin Singletary and Ma you know, Moss was just Buffalo's lead back at all areas of the field last week. He outsnapped. Devin Singletary ran more pass routes. Uh, it was 13 carries for Zach Moss to be 11 for Singletary. Moss out-targeted Singletary three to two. Uh, I mean, we we saw this last year where like Moss would emerge and then like the next game would be Singletary again. So I'm not fully ready to trust it yet. But the the, the matchup I think puts both these running backs in play for fantasy this week, and I do prefer Moss among the two of them. Yeah, I'm not going crazy for either one, but if I'm choosing between them, I'm going for Zach Moss for the touchdown upside. Yep. Carolina at Dallas, the Cowboys by five in this one over under a 50 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and bet against the Carolina D this week. It's been good so far, but this is going to be the toughest challenge easily. Yeah. I'm interested to see, to just watch this game and see how this Carolina defense does against you know, in, in their toughest task yet. They also just lost first round corner JC Horn to a broken foot. So, you know, well, it's, it's bad timing there, you know, coming up against this Cowboys defense, but um it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, again, I do think the Carolina defense is good. I don't think it's like the best defense in the NFL, like football outsiders DBOA says right now. But, yeah, I, we'll have a better idea after this game for sure. Mm -hmm. The Dallas defense is getting some buzz this week as well, but they still sit mid-pack in DVOA. Uh, I'm not downgrading any Panthers for this matchup. Sam Darnold is in his usual spot as a fringe starter. DJ Moore is a given. Robbie Anderson <laughs> is interesting. You wonder whether he's going to actually get more targets this week after Matt Rule gave him the we want to get him more involved thing. The problem is that Robbie Anderson has basically been Marquez Valdez-Scantling so far in the way that he's getting used. Yeah, 18.4 um, yard average depth of target. So, I mean, you're going to be volatile on that. Um 
Dallas is 29th defending deep passes, according to Football Outsiders. So, you know, the matchup there is good for Anderson. I, I, I do think Target's going to start coming. Like, his Anderson's snap rate and his route rate is, like, right where it was last season. It's just, You know, the targets have just gone to DJ Moore so far. I do think DJ Moore is the number one here. Anderson's, like, the clear number two. But the gap between them is, is not going to stay this big throughout the season. So um, I would not blame you at all for just sending Robbie Anderson to your bench. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, has has a, a pretty solid fantasy outing here. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is far from a must start this week, but in the range of guys like Kenny Galladay, I think that there's at least as much upside to Robbie Anderson and probably more for the matchup. In addition to the stat that you mentioned, uh, according to Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus, the Cowboys have allowed a league high 27 explosive plays this year. Not sure exactly what qualifies it as an explosive play, probably either 15 plus or 20 plus yards. But either way, that's the kind of range that we look for Robbie Anderson to do his damage. So there is upside this week if he gets the usage. What we're going to have to watch and see is if Terrace Marshall continues to get more targets per route than what mm-hmm. Anderson has gotten so far. That might be the biggest potential drain on Robbie Anderson's upside. Yeah, and it, it's really just, I mean, Marshall and Moore are running the, the short routes. Marshall's average depth target is 5.8 yards. So it's just, you know, those guys, uh, Marshall and Moore are doing the short stuff, and that's where um, Darnold's been looking so far. I mean, the other big thing here, obviously, is Christian McCaffrey's out, and, you know, Chuba Hubbard and Royce Freeman aren't going to match his target. So there are extra targets to go around this week. Yeah. Although Mike Davis became pretty close to matching Christian McCaffrey targets last year. So Uh, Chuba Hubbard played 40 snaps to Royce Freeman's 11 on Thursday night when we lost McCaffrey 21 to six in pass snaps, 11 to five in carries five to one in targets. So Chuba Hubbard certainly looks like the top guy with Christian McCaffrey out. I like him in RB two range. I'm probably not going to play Hubbard over most guys that I drafted within the first three rounds of my draft, you know, without running through all the names, a couple guys that stood out to me in the rankings, Chris Carson, Clyde Edwards, Lair. I believe I'd go ahead and play those guys over Hubbard this week. Yeah. I mean, the, the risk is just that Royce Freeman does more than he did last week. Like, you know, maybe Carolina looks at the tape and they're making their game plan for this week. And they're like, you know, we want to make this more of a 60, 40 split in favor of Chuba Hubbard. That That's the risk. I, I think it's going to be, pretty close to what we saw after McCaffrey left last week's game. And, you know, in, what was it, about three quarters worth of action, Chuba Hubbard was 15th in expected fantasy points among running backs last week, you know, in three quarters of the game. So, again, if, if he gets the work he got last week, like, to me, he's like a high-end RB2, borderline RB1. We got a question from AJ Austin from Facebook. It says, Hubbard, uh, Elijah Mitchell, or Josh Jacobs, assuming that both Josh Jacobs and Elijah Mitchell are healthy enough to play, I'd still play Hubbard pretty easily over both of them. Yep, Hubbard for me, Mitchell would be two, and Jacobs would be three. Yes, that's what I would say as well. And we'll get to the Raiders in a little bit. On the Cowboys side, the offense has come way down from the extreme pass heaviness of week yeah. one. So it seems pretty evident that it was a game plan for facing the Bucks rather than a general offensive plan entering the season they actually ran the ball more than they passed it against the Eagles just 10th in neutral pass rate through three games now after opening the season as number one by a wide margin so I still think CeeDee Lamb Amari Cooper will be just fine I think they're still easy starts Dalton Schultz is the guy who's (laughs) bound for a a negative rebound coming off of last week's big numbers yeah he's not gonna do that every week and you know Schultz and Jarwin are still like dead even in, in routes run it's been 15 targets for Schultz, just nine for Blake Jarwin. And I mean, Schultz is 13th in expected fantasy points among tight ends. So it, it's possible that, you know, he is at least like a borderline tight end one 
the rest of the season. So, you know, if you, if you don't have a locked in starter at tight end, I do think Schultz is a fine streaming option just, you know, as a decent sized part of this Cowboys passing game. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just kind of the steadier option. He's, he's, he's the Zach Ertz here. Uh, so you can count on him for probably better catch rate, even though both of the guys have only uh, missed one of their targets to date. Yep. Both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard remain in lineup consideration. It's easier to like the path for both of those now because of that correction in pass run split that I've talked about. We've seen over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, that's helped. Dallas's O-line has looked awesome the past two weeks and, Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott are first and second in PFF rushing grade over the past two weeks. It's Tony Pollard one, Zeke Elliott two. So to me, like Zeke is still an RB one. Like maybe he's not the top five guy that we thought he might be just because of Pollard's role, but Zeke's still an RB one and Pollard's like an every week RB three flex option. Cleveland at Minnesota, the Browns by two over under 51 points. Odell Beckham Jr. returned to lead the team with nine targets last week against Chicago, nearly doubled his actual yardage in air yards. Strong wide receiver two play from this point, it looks like. Oh, yeah, especially this week against Minnesota. Um, Vikings have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. Jarvis Landry out again, obviously. So expect nice volume for Beckham and the matchup's good. Uh, big week three for Kareem Hunt. I think missing Jarvis Landry can obviously only help his target upside, but he still saw similar to usual usage in that game against Chicago. The opportunities came in pockets, including the two-minute offense at the yep. end of the first half. So obviously Kareem Hunt remains usable at the same level. Just make sure you don't overrate his ultimate numbers in that game against Chicago. Yeah, Hunt is 32nd among running backs and expected fantasy points through three weeks. So he's getting RB3 level usage. I mean, he's a good player in a great situation. So he's going to be more efficient than that. Um, this matchup's good on the ground as well. So, you know, Hunt, as usual, is like a, you know, higher end RB3 in our rankings this week. Yeah, and his touchdown last week came from 30 yards out, which is both a mark in his favor in that he can score from that range, but also uh, don't overcount him scoring that touchdown. Yep, for sure. Demetric Felton, by the way, saw three targets in that game before we even saw Kareem Hunt on the field. No more after that. So I'd be curious to see if he does any more. But Demetric Felton is at least in that picture of, of soaking up those targets. Yeah, I'd have to look at like the actual like PFF data on where he's lining up. But it seems like he's playing more wide receiver for them than like pure running back, which makes sense with all the you know wide receiver issues they've had early this season. Mm, it looked like he was getting running back type stuff at the beginning of the game. Uh, to me, but like I said, a after that initial three targets, he wasn't really in the target picture. So I don't know how much it matters either way for Kareem Hunt. And at tight end, Austin Hooper scored the touchdown last week, which was a really nice throw by Baker mm -hmm. Mayfield. But he and David and Joku are still splitting playing time. So you know, like I said, it's Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz situation with even lower pass volume. Yeah, I mean Hooper's still leading slightly in routes and, and targets, so he's the best fantasy back if you need to, you know, dabble in the situation. But you know, you're, you're better off avoiding it. On the Viking side of this one, Dalvin Cook returned to limited practice Wednesday. So we're going to have to watch to make sure, but that probably puts him on track to play. Yep. And if he plays, you're starting him. Um, you know, Minnesota shown in the past, like even coming off injury, they're just going to go right back to, to Cook in, in a workhorse role. And then obviously after what we saw last week, you know, if Cook is out, Alex Madison's like an RB1 anytime Cook's out going forward. Tyler Conklin missed Wednesday's practice with glute and elbow injury. So we're going to have to watch him after his week three breakout game. And he commanded quite a bit of money on the FFPC waivers in those uh, tight end premium leagues. Yeah. I'd, I'd be careful still with Conklin. Like, you know, his playing time, his pass routes didn't really climb last week. It, it, to me, it's like, it's either going to be Conklin or Osborne every week is like the third option in the passing game. There's probably not enough to go around for both of them 
to have, you know, busy days. I, I just think it's going to rotate. So I think Conklin's still going to have plenty of down games. He'll have some useful weeks as well, too. But, you know, he you know, he's not like an every week guy still. Yes, I agree with that, especially when he starts off the week dealing with injuries. Kirk Cousins, though, is looking not maybe not every week, but right now this week for sure. Sixth among fantasy quarterbacks. He's been over 25 fantasy points in every game so far and has not scored a rushing touchdown. So it's not like he's inflating those things um, yeah. with numbers that he can't sustain. Uh, he's I'm not saying that he's an every week player, as I said, but Kirk Cousins is something better than a streamer right now. He is. Um, he, he's playing well. He's producing in fantasy. I, I do think this is his toughest spot yet. You know, I know Cleveland's like defensive metrics aren't great so far, but there's a lot of talent on that defense. Cousins is, you know, I, I just think it's a toughest spot. Yeah. So I, I, I prefer like Darnold and Derek Carr as week four starters. Um, but beyond that there, you know, I think that's when you start to consider Cousins. I think that all three of those guys are extremely similar. I, if I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I, I wouldn't put money down on one of those versus the other two, because I think they can finish in any order, I guess is the best way for me to say it. They, they definitely can. It's fantasy football. <laughs> Indianapolis at Miami, the dolphins by one and a half over under 42 and a half, which tells you how exciting it's going to be for fantasy <laughs> purposes, but maybe it's a bounce back spot for Jonathan Taylor uh, ran well against Tennessee, 64 rushing yards on just 10 carries. And really, I'm not sure why he didn't get more than that because this game was pretty close most of the way. Uh, there was like one particular possession that illustrated the Colts making strange decisions on not giving Jonathan Taylor the ball. He ran it down to the Tennessee nine yard line for first and goal from there. And then the Colts threw three straight incomplete passes toward the end zone rather than give Jonathan Taylor the ball at all on those possessions. He leads the league with six carries inside the five yard line so far has not scored a touchdown. He's one of just five players with two plus carries in that range to not have scored a touchdown so far. You'd like to see more passing game usage, but I think in general, there's enough to like about Jonathan Taylor to feel pretty good about using him this week. Yeah. I mean, he, he's probably the biggest positive regression candidate at running back. So Taylor's 28th at the position in half PPR points, he's sixth in our expected fantasy points. And that that's largely because, as you said, he's had all those goal line carries and just hasn't scored yet. Um, so things are going to get better. There, there are still concerns, though. He has just four targets over the last two weeks now. He's running a pass around just 34% of the pass plays. And Indy's O-line is not good right now. They're 31st in PFF's run-blocking grades. Taylor's averaging 2.4 yards before contact per attempt. That's down from three last year, so a pretty significant dip there. So, you know, kind of all the reasons that we made Taylor our first round bust are kind of coming to fruition. So he's going to be volatile from week to week in the role that he's playing. Um, but this is a pretty good spot. You know, Miami's run defense is beatable and it's a game where the Colts, you know, should be able to keep it close or even play with the lead and, you know, keep giving Taylor the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in a whole lot else on that Colts offense. Michael Pittman's okay as yep. a volume PPR flex, but it's not a great matchup for him on the outside. Yeah. Pittman's the guy I wanted to talk about. Like you said, it is a tough matchup. Um, but he's tied for 14th among wide receivers and targets with 28. He's 17th in air yards. He's sixth in our expected fantasy points. So he's getting good usage. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz's play is a problem. The O-line's a problem. The matchup here is a problem. Um, but to me, Pitt Pittman's in play as a wide receiver three this week, and he might be better than that if the offense gets going and if, you know, as these matchups get a bit easier. I think he looks very similar to Kenny Galladay for this week. I agree that there's mm -hmm. general upside, and I, I would say I like him in general. Yep. On the Miami side, do we chase the target volume that Jalen Waddell and Mike Jasicki got last week? 
Um, if Will Fuller's out and, you know, he missed practice on Wednesday with a couple injuries, I think I don't have it in front of me. Um, I mean, you know, the way they're, they're, they're using Waddle, like the Jags are using LaVisca Chanel, just all short stuff. And, you know, Waddle hasn't really done anything after the catch yet. He's obviously capable. I don't know. Trust is too strong aware with anything in this offense, but especially if Fuller is out, I think, I think Waddle's an okay wide receiver three. Yeah, I, I agree with okay wide receiver three, and it's tough for me to just believe in anything from this Miami offense. It, 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 we absolutely could get similar usage, and there's I don't think there's any reason to believe in somebody else over Waddle. Jasicki's mm-hmm. a little bit easier because he's at a position where he's not competing competing against a bunch of other guys. You know, we're talking about how uh, we can't even count on Dallas Goddard to get targets, so why not bet that Mike Jasicki gets eight of them? I think the other guy worth talking about is Miles Gaskin. And he's okay as a low RB2 if the game stays close. Five-plus yards per carry in each game so far. Uh, week three was the first time, though, that he reached 10 carries in a game. Has seen decent targets, five, five, and six of those in the three games. So, you know, fine usage. Again, it's just kind of tough to trust anything really in Miami right now. Gaskin is Chase Edmonds on a much worse offense. Like, the rushing volume is not great, but he's seventh among all running backs. In targets and the fantasy production has been steady even in half ppr he's finished rb 23 rb 33 and rb 30 so you know, he's not going to win you weeks but he's not killing you either um and he's 24th among running backs in our expected fantasy points so he, he's fine like there's not much upside but again the, the passing volume you know makes him a pretty safe weekly bet yes he's not a guy that you're going to argue for but he's like um, well, i don't have a whole lot else here so gaskin will be fine yes both defenses, I think, are in play in this game, and especially Miami, as I like better. They're at home. They're seventh in Football Outsiders DVOA, so they're playing well in general. They're also tops in Football Outsiders variance metric, which means they're the lowest variance defense to this point. So the most consistently performing defense week to week through three weeks. You know, it's still early, so that can change. But I like all that against the upside of Carson Wentz, who – you know, it was nice that he made it through the game last week on two sprained ankles, but there were also plenty of errant throws that could have gone much worse. Yeah, and one of those is a high ankle sprain, so that's not to 100%. Yeah, and again, the offensive line for the Colts has not been good, so it's definitely a good spot for Miami, and then, yeah, the Colts' defense is fine against Brissett. Tennessee at the New York Jets. Tennessee by seven points in this one, 44-point over-under. The first question is, will the Titans have either A.J. <laughs> Brown or Julio Jones for this game? Brown, I'm guessing no, because, you know, he's expected to miss like, you know, one to two weeks. That makes me think he's definitely out this week. And then Julio, we don't know much about his injury, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. So there's definitely a chance he misses too. And that obviously hurts Ryan Tannehill's fantasy outlook. Like you want to start him against the Jets, but man, if he's throwing to, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akini and Chester Rogers and Cameron Batson, like it's, it's tough to get excited about him. Yeah. So that's the second question is if both of these guys are out, are you playing anybody else besides Derrick Henry from these Tennessee Titans this week, even against the Jets? So the one guy I'm kind of interested in, it'd probably be more DFS is Anthony Ferkser, who returned to a full practice on Wednesday. You know, he missed that. He missed the past two games, right. With his knee injury, but full gone Wednesday. So he should be back. Um, and if you look at his week one usage, so he, he ran around on 64% of the pass plays. It's a decent number, but again, that, that could and really should go up if Jones and A.J. Brown are out. And then Ferkser, even in week one, he, he played 84% of his snaps out wider in the slot. So he, he was basically just playing wide receiver for them. So he, he might just like act as their number one wide receiver in this game if those top two guys are out. So Ferkser, um, at least in DFS, is interesting. And maybe if you're desperate in season long, he's a guy you can pick up and use this week. 
Let's pump those brakes a little bit on what should happen with Tennessee tight ends. Cause we spent all of last year talking about what should happen with Johnny Smith's usage and it never did. So I, I agree that there's potential opportunity. And I, I saw somebody add Anthony Ferkser for like a dollar in our FFPC main event league. And I was like, that, that was probably a better move than any of the high priced tight ends this week. Uh, yeah. But certainly somebody that I'm more like, all right, let's see what happens with him. Then. And, and a DFS uh I don't know, focal point, but he's more interesting for DFS this week, like you said, than I yep. think for a season long. Agree. We'll see too how he fits exactly with Jeff Swain uh, coming back from that injury. I'm curious to see what the usage looks like. Ryan Tannehill, meanwhile, with those wide receiver injuries, I think it's tough to put him inside the top 12 this week. I'm not saying, you know, full fade on him, but he's just kind of mixed into that streaming territory outside the top 12. Yeah, he's he's not going to have volume on his side. I mean, you know, the, the Titans are already – the fourth run heaviest offense in the NFL teams are going run heavy against the jets. And then, you know, even, even the efficiency for Tannehill fares to take a step back. If he doesn't have his top two wideouts on the Jets side, Corey Davis and nothing else for me. And Elijah Moore is dealing with a concussion. So, I mean, that can only help Corey Davis's target count. I, I'm not sure there's another player worth talking about there. Nope. There's not, um, you know, Davis is a volume based play. Michael Carter is like, has kind of emerged as the lead back here. And it, it doesn't matter if the Jets' offense is playing so poorly, but I'm, I'm just saying if they start to get it together and, you know, Carter is getting this type of usage, he could be someone you can use. So if Carter was dropped in your league, I would add him. You know, if we're talking leagues of like 12 plus teams, I think he should at least be on rosters as a potential option in the second half of the season. Uh, I can I can get on board with that. He's stashable, but you definitely lost me with if they get it together because I don't think that's coming for the Jets' offense this year. Maybe not. Detroit at Chicago Bears by two and a half points over under a 41 and a half. It's the second lowest total by a half point for the week. DeAndre Swift is delivering and now he's reportedly over that groin issue. I think he's a hold or even a choir more than he is a sell high in fantasy right now. We've had in our discord, we've had multiple people ask about DeAndre Swift deals and I'm on board with adding DeAndre Swift where it's possible because I think you might find some people who think they are selling high on him right now. I guess. I mean, he's he's RB3 in PPR points. He's RB4 and half PPR. He's even RB7 in non-PPR. So, you know, he's been producing. He's fourth in expected fantasy points. Um, I mean, the, the passing game usage is just awesome. And then if he, if he starts to get more on the ground, you know, that's even better, obviously. Yeah, and we don't even need it. He can just be um, yep. subsisting totally on the, the receiving stuff and just get a little bit on the ground. It's also this game is a fine spot, I think, for Jamal Williams' usage, who he's, he has stayed plenty involved. He was plenty involved last week. So um, Jamal Williams remains in the picture, obviously a much lower ceiling than DeAndre Swift in general. Yeah, Williams is an RB3 to me. Um, you know, He had the massive week one kind of you know, fluky game against San Francisco, but he's been RB39 and RB24 the last two weeks, which I think is a good, you know, kind of span for where he's going to finish. So a fine RB three, but you know, Swift, obviously the, the guy to own in this backfield. Yeah. Anything else from the Detroit side? No, Quintess Cephas we thought was going to be a thing and he's, he's not. Yep. I agree on the bears side. Justin Fields wasn't as hopeless as the numbers say, but it's an, an overall hopeless situation. He's got some issues that he needs to work through, obviously, which we all expect from a rookie quarterback. He also needs some support from his coaches in the game plan. I mean, Get the guy running some, roll him out so that he can find some open field. It, it's, it was a crappy combination of everything involved in that game against Cleveland that just helped it make a disaster for, I don't know, any anybody involved. And now we don't even know if he's going to play this week because Andy Dalton might be ready to go. 
I mean, it, it, this is just why I preferred like Trey Lance over Fields and Dynasty, just because I, I just don't trust Chicago to you know surround Fields with what he needs to be surrounded with. Um, the the O line's just a mess. You know, I think that was the biggest issue for Fields last week. Now, the spot is like infinitely better. You know, on the road against Miles Garrett last week, and now he's at home against Detroit. You can't trust him as a quarterback one. I do think in court in two quarterback leagues, you could still use him, and in DFS maybe you can still use him in tournaments. Um, and yeah, like you said, that's assuming it's Fields because Andy Dalton was limited in Wednesday's practice, and, and Matt Nagy said he's going back to Dalton when he's healthy. So so we'll see. If Justin Fields starts this week, I will submit a tournament lineup that has Justin and Fields it. on it because I can't let the first good Justin Fields game happen and me get nothing out of it. But that's definitely all I can say about him. I have him in a two quarterback league and I regretted starting him over Teddy Bridgewater last week alongside Daniel Jones. So that won't be in play this week. It's going to be Bridgewater and Daniel really? Jones over Justin Fields. Oof. I'd start Fields over Bridgewater, I think. Mm-hmm. Nah, no, thanks. <laughs> David Montgomery, I think, is the only guy that I'm using with relative comfort among Bears this week. He should see better game script against the Lions this week. That said, the game script should not have limited him to 10 carries against Cleveland. Even though they got dominated overall, the score wasn't out of hand for most of the game. They just weren't giving him the ball, and the O-line stunk. It just stinks in general. That's going to stay an issue, but we should be able to count on more touches for David Montgomery this week. Yeah, the, the Bears O-line stinks. Detroit's run defense stinks, too. So that probably just cancels out this week. Um, and Damian Williams is just being phased out with the Bears offense. Like Montgomery is dominating work. He had all 10 of the RB carries last week. He had a 20% target share. Um, so if that kind of usage continues, you know, he's going to be a strong fantasy play, especially in matchups like this. Allen Robinson, however, <laughs> just wide receiver three range for me this week. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's bound to get better than last week, but it has to get a whole lot better <laughs> before we can really feel good about him. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy I would I would try to keep in lineups. Like, I can't even call him a must-start, um, but I would try to keep him in lineups just because of the matchup, really. I mean, that's kind of all you can point to at this point. I mean, he he's not even playing well. PFF has him 68th in their receiving grades among 76 qualifiers. And then the usage hasn't been great. You know, he's only 33rd among wide receivers in targets. So definitely concerned, but, you know, hoping this matchup kind of gets Robinson going. If you had to decide whether to start Marvin Jones tonight or Allen Robinson on Sunday, who would you be playing? Jones. Yeah, I think I would have to do the same thing. Darnell Mooney also, uh, a wait and see. I mean, yeah. Andy Dalton might be better for them this week just because we've seen an okay game from him. But it's certainly not like, oh, all right, Andy Dalton's back. These guys are back yeah. to producing now. Right. Washington at Atlanta. Washington by two and a half. It opened with Atlanta as a one-point favorite. So significant shift here. Over under 47 and a half points. It's a strongly positive defense mm-hmm. matchup for both sides Washington versus Atlanta, but it's just the eighth highest game total for the week. It dropped by a half a point while I was preparing my notes for this show. So I think you should keep all of that in mind. I think use the matchups as a tiebreaker rather than something that vaults players into your starting lineup who don't belong there. Yeah. I mean, Washington's defense, I still think they should turn it around. There's just too much talent. Atlanta's defense is not going to turn it around. So I do think it's a good matchup on the Washington side. Um, I kind of like Taylor Heineke. I mean, you shouldn't have to use him in one quarterback leagues. I do think he's a nice quarterback too, a potential DFS play. Um, he's finished quarterback 13 and then quarterback nine in fantasy points over the past two weeks. Washington is first in situation neutral pass rate over the last two weeks. So they're not like trying to protect T- Taylor Heineke. They're letting him drop back and chuck it. Um, and the matchup's good, obviously, against Atlanta. They've allowed eight touchdowns through the first three weeks of the season. 
Yeah, Taylor Heineke, uh, I'm not going to overreach for him. Uh, I would definitely play him over Justin Fields. I would play him over like Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, probably not ahead of Kirk Cousins or Sam Darnold. Not ahead of those guys. I think I'd play Heineke over Ryan Tannehill, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that one. That's one where it's probably assume, a coin flip for me, but I think there's a higher ceiling for Heineke this week. Assume, assuming Julio and Brown are out, I would use Heineke. Right. And then elsewhere on the Washington mm-hmm. offense, I think Terry McLaurin's an easy start. Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, fairly easy in this matchup as well. Yep. I mean, Logan Thomas has been the, the high floor play that we've talked about. He's been top 13 among tight ends and fantasy points every week uh, so far this season. And Gibson, I mean, we know, we know the story. If, if they fall behind, it's an issue for Gibson, but they, they really shouldn't fall behind too badly in this game. And it's a good matchup for Gibson. So I, I like him quite a bit this week. Yeah, if they fall behind in this game, they have much bigger issues than their running back usage. Atlanta, it's a better spot for Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson. All those guys were in consideration in general. I'm not reaching, though, for Matt Ryan in this matchup or anybody else. No, I mean, I, I think Ryan's just about done. Um, the, the, the numbers say it's a good matchup, but I, I again, I still think Washington's D is going to turn it around. So um, definitely like playing Heineke over Matt Ryan this week um, if you're deciding between those two guys. And then, yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, their usage is fine. I, again, I think the problem with them is Matt Ryan just not playing well, but um, the usage is there, so you, you got to stick with those guys. Yeah, I guess it's I, – I suppose it's worth remembering that Washington started out with Justin Herbert. They played Josh Allen last week. Who was the opponent in between those two? uh was it carolina that was the giants so they got daniel jones in between there so i mean that's that's the one game where you're like why didn't they do anything against daniel jones i agree that there's definitely rebound potential we'll see Uh, it's it's matt ryan so if they don't get it done in this game it's going to be time to forget that the washington defense exists i think yep that's fair arizona at the la rams rams by four and a half that's down one and a half points from where it opened so they were heavier favorites to begin with over under of 55 is up one and a half. It's the highest total for the week by a point and a half. Starting on the Arizona side, DeAndre Hopkins is clearly not right right now. He's just He had just six targets, three catches, 21 yards against Jacksonville. That's just a game that he should do whatever he wants. So now he's likely to see Jalen Ramsey in primary coverage this week. It's not quite enough to knock DeAndre Hopkins out of starter territory, but it's quite possible that there are fantasy teams out there that have better options available. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's a wide receiver, too, in our week four rankings. And the funny thing, though, is, is his playing time was there last week. I mean, it was 92% of the snaps, 97% of the pass routes, so he wasn't limited there. Um, and, you know, even before this this rib injury, his his target share was down over the first two weeks of the season. So maybe, maybe it's just, you know, you have Christian Kirk and AJ Green around no more. Maybe it's just he's just not going to be a target hog this season. But um, I mean, again, he's on the field and this offense is playing so well. Like I, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't want to bench Hopkins. It's possible you have three better options, but um, in most cases, I would I would stick with him this week. He's tied with AJ Green for the team target lead on the season, with just one target ahead of Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds, fourth on the team in receiving yards. I think the target share will pick up. I'll be curious to see as we get a little further from this rib injury. And he missed practice again Wednesday, I believe. Yes. Um, so, you know, clearly not really at risk of missing the game, but it, it seems like it's bothering him. I'll be curious to see when we do finally get clear of it, when he's back to full practice and, and if the numbers change. Yeah, he's 42nd among wide receivers and expected fantasy points. So that tells you how disappointing the usage has been so far. Kirk, Moore, Green, I think, are all risk-reward plays. The matchup for them is mm-hmm. uh, among those guys is worst for A.J. Green because he's outside. He'll face probably some Jalen Ramsey, some Darius Williams on the other side. 
Um, I would not be surprised to see more targets for Arizona funneled to the slot receivers and just middle of the field in general in this game. Yeah, I drank those other guys, Kirk, then Green, then Rondell Moore. Um, I mean, Moore just because he's not on the field enough. And we, and we saw the downside that brings last week. I, you know, it does seem like what Moore needs, what Rondell Moore needs is the Cardinals to be playing from behind because that's when they use more four, four wide receiver sets. And that's when Moore is getting on the field. So, it, you know, they're underdogs here on the road against the Rams. So it's possible we get more, more on the field this week. Um, but he, he just, he easily has the lowest floor among these Cardinals wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And Chase Edmonds should be fine again, as we say in general. Yeah, again, you know, he's he's getting that passing game usage um, to make him a pretty safe weekly play. On the Rams side, is it officially time to worry about Robert Woods yet? You can worry. I, I'd, I'd still start him in most cases this week as like a wide receiver three. I mean, yeah, yeah, some teams have three better options, I'm sure. But it's kind of the same deal as Robbie Anderson. Like, Woods' playing time is, is still there. Um, I just – I don't think the gap between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods is going to stay – this big all season long. And, you know, this Rams passing game offense in general looks awesome. <clears throat> they shouldn't have trouble against the Cardinals this week. So there, there's still plenty of upside for Woods this week. Yeah. And one aspect mm-hmm. that is bound to change at least some for the Rams is the sheer volume. They've spent almost the whole season leading so far. Yeah. Matthew Stafford ranks mm-hmm. just 22nd in the league in mm-hmm. pass attempts. The team, though, is 14th in neutral pass rate. So it's not like they've been specifically going run heavy. They just don't have to throw the ball a whole lot. They're not running a ton of plays. If we get closer games, if we get the Rams trailing a little bit, maybe we get more passing volume. Maybe that helps Robert Woods rebound some. You know, like you said, certainly time for some concern, not time to just give up on Robert Woods' season. We'll see where it goes. We also got good news from Tyler Higby last week. He showed us why we should just leave him in lineups. But he, he paid off our patience. Yep, still, you know, a top 10 tight end in usage. And again, just a, a big part of what is a passing game we definitely want to be invested in. Daryl Henderson was back to a limited practice on Wednesday. we got to watch for reports on him. Um, you know, not only watch his participation to make sure he stays on track to play, but I'll be curious to see if we get any kind of reports on how the Rams expect yep. to use them. Sony Michelle, 20 carries, four targets in Henderson's absence versus the Bucks, So stepped into a workhorse level role and fared pretty well. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a big storyline for me the rest of this week because I, I like this spot for the Rams – running game um the cardinals have allowed 5.0 yards per carry to running backs this season uh, football outsiders has them 19th in run defense and you know henderson was getting feature back usage before that injury but you know the concern with him all along has been durability um you know the, the rams made a trade for sony michelle before the season started so i i won't be surprised if it's more of a split going forward now but um i don't know if, if henderson plays he has to be the top fantasy bet in this uh rams backfield and again i, I do think the matchup um, makes it a spot where you, you'd probably want to use Henderson in fantasy lineups. Yeah, it's going to be tough though. Cause that rib injury is especially is one that y- you see yep. them limit a running back. If they can, if a guy's not like a clear workhorse, because it's a pain management issue. And the more times you get hit, uh, the more likely that you're going to be in pain there. So I, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised if we see Henderson get back to his normal usage, even if he is, you know, ready to go for this game, but it, it's going to mm-hmm. be something to watch because we're probably going to be guessing heading into the game. Yep. Seattle at San Francisco Niners by two and a half points over under a 52 Russell Wilson's four meetings with the 49ers over the past two years have produced a couple of meh games, one bad outing and one four touchdown outing. So that one upside game, that's what I'm chasing still with Russell Wilson. I know he's not at the, you know, he's not high in starter territory, but I'm more interested in that upside 
than being at all concerned because I don't think this matchup has huge downside risk. Yeah, I mean, the, the Niners' defense doesn't scare me. Um, you know, Russ is just playing so well. I mean, he's quarterback 11 in fantasy points despite being just 26th in pass attempts. Um, so he's just been super efficient. Um, I'm not scared of this matchup. So, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, if Russ has been your guy through the first three weeks, you're definitely sticking with him this week. Tyler Lockett left Sunday's game early with a hip injury, but put in a limited practice Wednesday. So that's good news for his chances of playing. That's a weird one. It was reported as a knee, like during the game. And then he shows up on an injury report with a hip. Yeah. E- either way, being out there on Wednesday means he should be fine for the game on Sunday. Gerald Everett more than doubled his season targets last week, saw five of them against Minnesota after two targets in each of the first two games. Should we believe in Gerald Everett's role? Well, he's on the COVID list now, so he needs to get off of that. Um, and he does seem to be trending up. Um, you know, he, he's in the Tyler Conklin, Austin Hooper kind of territories, you know, a guy you probably need a touchdown from, but, you know, catching passes from, from Russell Wilson, he's, he's always a decent touchdown, but. Yeah, and when he does get healthy again, he doubled Will Disley in playing time in that game, tripled Will Disley in routes. So if Gerald Everett gets dropped in a deeper league, maybe it's time to stash him if you yeah. do if you're in the kind of league where a backup tight end makes sense. Yep. Chris Carson's passing game usage headed the other direction from where Gerald Everett's did, and it continued a direction that started in week two in terms of the usage on Travis Homer and Alex Collins versus Chris Carson in the passing game. I just refuse to believe that Seattle is looking at this and thinking, well, Travis Homer and Alex Collins give us a better chance in the passing game than Chris Carson. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with Carson. Trust that they reverse that trend, that it's more noise than signal, and see what happens with Chris Carson in this matchup. San Francisco's mid-pack and everything on defense, so the matchup itself doesn't scare me. I'm just going to go ahead and trust Chris Carson. I mean, even if the passing game usage doesn't rebound, you know, he, he's still a decent RB2. You know, he, he's 15th in the NFL in carries. He's, he's been getting it done. He's been a top 20 fantasy back in all three weeks so far. You know, that if he continues to lose passing game work, that obviously hurts. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. But, yeah, I do think um, generally you, you're sticking with Carson as an RB2. On the 49ers side, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle took big rebound steps last week for us with Ayuk. It was sheer opportunity. Kittle is a little bit more subtle. His rebound came in average depth of target, a season-high 8.2 yards versus the Packers. That was up from 5.6 in week one and minus two yards against the Eagles on a truly goofy usage day for him in week two. Sat out Wednesday with calf soreness, so that's something we're going to have to watch this week. Kyle Shanahan said, quote, he should be all right this week, just sore today than we expected. So, again, we'll have to watch George Kittle this week. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on the calf thing. Um, he's been up over 80% of their outs in each of the past two games after being at 57% in week one. So it's been encouraging for Kittle. He's going to be fine. And yeah, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, he's back at least like a wide receiver three, which kind of, kind of you know, what I had him as all along. You know, I, I thought he was overvalued in drafts, but I think he's back to wide receiver three status. Um, ran around 90% of the pass plays last week. That was, you know, clearly number two behind only Debo Samuel. Uh, saw six targets in that game, 15% target share. I mean, there's the volume still a concern for me just because it's a lower volume passing offense and you have Debo and you have Kittle. Um, so don't go crazy with Ayuk, but again, he's back to being a full-time player. So he is back in play as a wide receiver three. They almost cracked our top 36 this week, just to give you a little bit more context for where we have him. Elijah Mitchell returned to a limited practice on Wednesday after missing last week with his shoulder injury. So we'll watch to make sure he's trending toward playing, but Trey Sermon didn't do anything against green Bay on Sunday night. That would shove Elijah Mitchell out of the way. I mean, I thought Sermon looked fine, but like it was clear the Niners didn't fully trust 
him. I mean, they, they gave Kyle Ustrek five carries. You know, Ustrek played almost as many snaps as Sermon. So, you know, really someone they don't want to turn the backfield over to. So I, I do think if Mitchell's healthy, he's going to step back in, is the lead back, as the lead back. And it's a great matchup. Uh, Seattle is dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs that, you know, they've given up huge games to Derrick Henry and then Alex Madison the past two weeks. Pittsburgh at Green Bay Packers by six and a half points over under 45 and a half Vegas has has the Steelers implied for 19 and a half points this week that'd be more than they scored at home either of the past two games they had 10 points against Cincinnati on Sunday so I don't know I'm taking the under on 19 and a half for these Steelers at the moment they did get Deontay Johnson back to a limited practice Wednesday he missed last week with a knee injury but Juju Smith-Schuster sat out practice with a rib injury yeah, bruised ribs for Juju. So it seems like something he should be able to, to play through. Um, you know, he, he's a low end fantasy option just, you know, based on his short range usage with a, you know, washed up quarterback in Big Ben. Deontay Johnson's still the, the guy to, to start here if he's active. He, Deontay was fourth and then seventh among wide receivers in expected fantasy points the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, the, the usage has continued to be there, even though the efficiency is probably going to suffer with Big Ben at quarterback. Do you think we should gauge how many TikTok posts Juju makes this week to determine whether he's going to play on Sunday? That's like the only way to determine, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, if Johnson's good, if uh, I I guess Juju also being healthy enough to play would complicate things. Are we playing all three of these guys for target upside in this game because we expect it to go the way that the Vegas line says? Yeah, I mean, Claypool and Juju are wide receiver threes to me. Um, I, you know, Deontay's clearly the best target bet when he's healthy. Claypool's big playability is just getting wasted with Roethlisberger at quarterback, um, but he's still getting enough volume to be fine. Don't worry, it's going to get fully unlocked once Dwayne Haskins takes over, yeah, or, or Mason Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Najee Harris, by the way, he's he, it's easier to start him at that position, but he's in for the same reason it's target upside. The running yeah. game's going absolutely nowhere. Yeah, 19 targets for Najee last week. I mean, that that was no Deontay and Juju getting knocked out. I mean, he's not going to see that going forward. I mean, but I mean that that's why we start guys who are on the field basically every offensive snap. Like when you're out there, you have the opportunity to rack up those touches. And that's it for the Pittsburgh side. You're not starting anybody else, right? Nope. Uh, Ebron moved back ahead of Fryermuth and in, in routes last week. So yeah, I'm still stashing Fryermuth. He caught a touchdown last week, um, but you can't trust him in fantasy lamps yet. Yeah, I'm more interested in Dalton Schultz than either of those guys, which is uh, oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. On the Packers side, this could be the week for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Steelers 18th in overall defensive DVOA, sixth against the run, 23rd against the pass. They're they're vulnerable, I think, at cornerback, and I think that maybe this is finally the week we get targets for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Not pushing him too far up, but you know, in that wide receiver four range that we've been talking about, there's upside. Well, last week was the week we got the big play. We got the touchdown. You know, he, he started on most of my basketball teams. Um, but MBS is dealing with a hamstring injury now that he, oh, he suffered right. um, at the very end of that game last week. So we'll see if, if he plays. Um, so yeah, still not someone I'd want to trust in season long Linus, but I'm telling you, he's going to, he's going to pay off in best ball. Yeah. Forget about what I said. I forgot about the hamstring injury and I'm not taking a speed guy with a bad hamstring. So yeah. we'll, we'll just erase that part. Um, certainly not worrying about Aaron Jones, despite what I just said about the DVOA for Pittsburgh. I mean, Aaron Jones is in starting lineups anyway. Um, but maybe we get a little bit more passing from the Green Bay offense in this one. 22nd in neutral pass rate so far through three games. Green Bay was eighth in the league in that category last season. So, you know, don't be surprised if we get a little bit little bit more pass leaning attack. 
teams are also passing against the Steelers at the sixth highest rate, um, which is smart again because they've been so much better against the run in the past so far. So yeah, could be could be a big day for uh, A. Raj and Devonte Adams. And I mean, if MVS ends up being out for this game, maybe we keep an eye on guys like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, Lazar would probably be the replacement as the outside guy, and then Cobb gets some more snaps in the slot. But, um, you know, DFS only for those type of guys. Baltimore at Denver. Broncos by one point here, over under 45. Lamar Jackson remains in starter territory, certainly in our rankings, and he will be the biggest test so far for this Denver defense that has allowed the fewest QB fantasy points in the league so far. They played Daniel Jones, they played (laughs) Zach Wilson, they played Trevor Lawrence. So a pretty easy run of quarterbacks. 17th among QBs in passing grade so far, according to PFF though, for Lamar Jackson, even just seventh in rushing grade. Both of those are in line with what he got last year in terms of PFF grades, but also they remain down versus his 2019 numbers. So we might just be seeing Lamar Jackson settle at the level he was last year, which is fine, which is still useful for fantasy, but maybe just not the top shelf fantasy quarterback that we got a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's totally fair. And, you know, I, I do believe and, you know, respect this Broncos defense despite their easy start to the season. I think it's, you know, top five defense. So I, I think you downgrade Lamar to like a low end quarterback one this week. Um, but, you know, definitely somebody can still use the rushing production is, is still going to be there for him. Greg Roman said today that Jackson is dealing with, quote, a little black, a little back flare up, excuse me, a little back flare up. I don't think it's anything serious. We'll wait and see. So, you know, we'll watch him throughout the week. It sounds like he should play, but he has something else to maybe be a little bit concerned about. I, I would play Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers over Lamar Jackson this week, which would still put him right in the bottom of top 12 territory. Yeah, I, none, none of those are crazy. Hurts and Rodgers, I'd probably go Lamar over those two, but they're, they're, all, they're all close. Uh, There's not much else I'm interested in with Baltimore beyond, you know, Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews, but Tyson Williams is, I'm sorry, Tyson Williams is worth talking about because we've now seen worrisome usage with him in two of the Ravens three games. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that it's, it's a committee backfield. I mean, Latavius Murray is going to be involved. Devontae Freeman is going to mix in for a few carries every game. Um, It's strange though. Like Tyson Williams snap rate, was right where it was the first couple weeks. Um, even his route rate was right around the same. It, he just, you know, he just didn't get the carries last week. So I, I'm kind of writing it off as like a one week fluke. I do still think Tyson Williams is the lead back here, the best bat for carries. But I mean, you know, don't don't expect 18, 19, 20 carry games. It's going to be you know 12 to 15 carries every game. Yeah, and like Tony Pollard looks like a better option weekly than Tyson Williams to me. Yeah, I think they're similar. Mm. Marquise Brown's okay, but it's not a good matchup for him considering the Denver corners. You know, I, I would probably take a shot on somebody like Kenny Galladay over Marquise Brown this week. He cost me so much money last week with those drops. He, he dropped he dropped 97 air yards worth of passes, and he would have had a lot of yards after the catch. He, he, he dropped over 100 yards worth of passes last week. His usage has still been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is 15th among wideouts in expected fantasy points. So, you know, the matchup's tough. I think it downgrades him. But to me, he's still in the wide receiver three mix. Is in the mix down there. The Broncos are allowing just a 55% catch rate to all wideouts so far, and that falls to 50% if you take out Sterling Shepard's seven for 113 and a touchdown on nine targets back in week one. Rashad Bateman, we should get back here pretty soon. Yeah. He's back on the field. I don't think he's officially active yet, though, is he? No, he he's eligible to practice now. Um, I would not expect him to play this week, but you know, maybe in the next few weeks. And he should really just take over the Sammy Watkins role, which is 
been producing decent volume. I think Bateman's a, a better player than Watkins at this point. So I, I think he, Bateman's worth stashing, um, you know, in fantasy leagues of, of 12 plus teams. Yeah, certainly a deeper league's an interesting stash. It might be tough for him to become a regular fantasy contributor in this situation, but his return should help Lamar Jackson, who could, you know, use another receiving option, especially a, a good young player. Yep. The Baltimore defense, which we've come to respect, is 20th in overall DVOA right now, 10th against the run, 21st against the pass. I'd bet on Denver to win this game. So I think the game script should be fine for the Denver running backs. The problem is that Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, remain pretty even in terms of what they're doing on the field. They're separated by three carries and one target for the season through three games. And Melvin Gordon was still playing more snaps than Javante Williams last week. You want to make a beer bet? I like Baltimore to win this game. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Lock it in. Nice. Um, yeah. Back, backfield kind of same story. You know, Gordon's the better fantasy bet right now because you know, if, even if the carries are split, Gordon's getting more of the passing game work. Javante Williams also had that fumble. Uh, near the goal line at the end of last week's game. So we'll, we'll see if that impacts his status at all in, in this in this backfield. So do you like Teddy Bridgewater better if you expect Baltimore to take a lead in this game and Baltimore and Baltimore's defense is 21st against the pass? I mean, I, I don't like Teddy as a quarterback one spot setter this week. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's like a middling matchup. Um, and, you know, and now he lost KJ Hamler to go along with Jerry Judy. So, you know, what, mm. what looked like a strong wide receiver core to start the season doesn't look so strong anymore. We got a Teddy Bridgewater question way back in the chat. Oh, here it is. Teddy Bridgewater or Daniel Jones? I think in that case, I would take Teddy Bridgewater for the floor. I think I'd go Jones just and just hope he, you know, runs for 40 yards. <laughs> That's when you know you've got a rough quarterback decision for the week. That was Michael Andrade on Facebook, by the way, with that question. Pick up Tyler, yeah, pick up Taylor Heineke. He's got to be available. <laughs> Man, Whew, week four and we're already talking Taylor Heineke or Teddy Bridgewater. Back to the Baltimore-Denver uh, game. Cortland Sutton, I do think, is a solid option, regardless of what you think about Teddy Bridgewater. He followed his breakthrough game against the Jags with just five targets against the Jets last week, but he caught all five of them. And now, as you mentioned, K.J. Hamler is out in addition to Jerry Judy. So targets should not be an issue for Sutton, and the matchup is not scary the way that it once might have been against Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, just 25 pass attempts for Bridgewater last week was the problem. Um, I, I think, you know, Tim Patrick gets a boost now, too, with uh, KJ Hamler. It's going to be Deontay Spencer and Kendall Hinton, you know, the of, of uh, quarterback fame last season, Kendall Hinton, um, behind Sutton and Patrick and the wide receiver depth chart. So I, mean, I think Patrick should get more volume than he has been getting, and that's been the problem. I mean, he's been super efficient, but he just hasn't been getting more than like four or five targets a game. I think that could definitely change this week. Yeah, Tim Patrick, I'm not even sure where he is in our wide receiver rankings right now, but he's probably too low. <laughs> he did match Sutton with five targets last week and caught all five of them for 98 yards, so I agree. A solid option this week. It was frustrating to see Noah Fant get only three targets last week, but he still played twice as many snaps <laughs> as Albert O. And again, the Hamler injury just frees up more potential target opportunity. Yeah, Fant is still seventh among tight ends in targets. He's 13th in air yards, and he's seventh in our expected fantasy points. So, I mean, he, you know, he's he's still a mid-range tight end one. And uh, he and Bridgewater are going to go off and win me some beer this week now. <laughs> Tampa Bay at New England on Sunday night. The Bucks by seven. That's up one and a half from where it opened. It's a 49-point over-under. No interesting storylines in this game with Tampa Bay heading to New England. Antonio Brown, though, is back from the COVID list. Otherwise... I think things look pretty similar. The Bucks face pretty similar to last week. The Bucks face a challenging defense, but there's nothing really sneaky or overly worrisome 
in the Patriots group. They have played the pass much tougher than the run. They've also faced the easiest schedule through three games, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. So I don't think I'm altering what I would normally do for any of my Bucks players for this game. No, me either. Um, I mean, you just know Brady's going to want to come in and you know, stuff the stat sheet in his return to New England. So I'm expecting a pass-heavy game plan here. Um, so you're starting all your usuals in the Bucks passing game. We'll see about Gio Bernard, who hurt his knee at the end of last week's game. And you know, we saw the big Bernard pass-catching game last week with the with Bucks playing from behind. That's what's going to happen when the Bucks are playing from behind. That's just not going to happen very often. So, um, But if Bernard is out of this game, I mean, Fournette should take over that passing down work. So that would make him a lot easier to trust in fantasy lineups. Yeah, if Gio Bernard gets back healthy and keeps going, he might just be J.D. McKissick one day. Um, it's also <laughs> worth noting that Rob Gronkowski missed practice Wednesday with a rib injury, so we'll have to watch him. Yep, he returned to that game last week with that injury, so he should be fine. But, yeah, that worth uh, keeping an eye on. Not sure whether he's gotten insurance yet, though, because USAA keeps turning him down. <laughs> on the Patriots' side, it's basically a no thanks. I think Jacoby Myers is fine, especially after a 9 for 94 on 14 targets. But the two weeks before that, 6 for 44, 4 for 38. Uh, he's certainly not a lock for even PPR lineups. And everybody else's week three target counts were grossly inflated by 51 pass attempts. Yeah, so I mean, I, I do expect New England to have to throw it a lot in this game, um, which, you know, teams do against Tampa anyways because they're so good against the run. And James White being out might help Jacoby Myers too, just to get, you know, a few more of those short-range targets. So, I mean, he's not exciting, but I do think he's a pretty good volume bet at, like, the wide receiver three level this week. So, in mean, PPR leagues, I, I, I kind of like Myers. Yeah, I can get, I can get on board with kind of like him. Um, but especially beyond that, I mean, especially when Kendrick Bourne was the only other guy last week to crack 40 receiving yards on a 51 pass attempt day, just yep. nothing else interesting. Yeah. I mean, J- John New Smith's like droppable to me. Um, you know, he's not playing well. His role has, has declined each week. You know, Hunter Henry kind of looks like the clear lead tight end there. They're now in new England. Um, and then we'll, I mean, we'll see about the backfield. I think you want to try to avoid it this week in this matchup. I mean, it's just a horrible spot for Damian Harris in this Tough matchup, you know, big underdogs. He's still not doing anything in the passing game. Um, but we'll see who takes over the James White role. I think it's going to be important. It was, it was Brandon Bolden stepping into that role last week. I don't I don't think the Pats want that to be the case going forward, but there, there might have to be no one else they, they trust to do that stuff. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Brandon Bolden always just pops up as for like one time a year when he's on the team, except for that one year where they let him go to Miami. He's the one guy where they're like, oh, crap, we need something this week. Brandon, please <laughs> come play running back. Go catch some passes. We need a rushing touchdown from you this week. Can you cook the steaks? I mean, he's not a long-term answer for them for anything, but we'll see whether they actually believe in J.J. Taylor or Ramondre Stevenson to do any of that other fill-in stuff. Yeah, Stevenson was a good pass catcher in college. You, know, you don't think of him that way because he's, he's a big back, but um, um, it's interesting. J.J. Taylor was active last week, and you know they didn't use him in the passing game, so that kind of makes you think it's not going to be him. Uh, for me, J.J. Taylor's the stash because if they don't believe in him catching passes, then why is he on the team? So I think it's I think when you have time to plan for it, he's the one with upside. Nobody that I'm excited about. I tried to stash him on my main event roster this week, though, and he was already rostered in my league. So, uh, you know, nobody that I would feel bad about missing out on, but he's the one guy that, that I find interesting. And before we get away from the wideouts completely, uh, Andrew McGrady on uh, YouTube wants to know Corey Davis or Jacoby Myers this week in PPR. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I, I kind of like Myers, honestly. I just, um, not that I trust either passing game, but I, I actually trust New England's more um, at home against a Bucks pass defense. That's pretty beatable. Yeah. I mean, it's really a coin flip for me because either one could get 15 targets or six 
and whoever happens to get the 15 targets is going to be the one. They, they, neither I don't think either one is going to do something amazing. I think it's just betting on who happens to get the target volume this week. Yep, agreed. In that backfield, we started talking about Damian Harris is kind of crumbling at this point. I mean, what what should we do with Damian Harris? I think it's pretty easy to not play him this week against Tampa yeah. Bay, but I mean, it seems like maybe we should start to be a little bit concerned in general. I don't know. I mean, I I think he's still their clear lead runner. Um, he's you know not going to do much in the passing game. Um, you know, he 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 needs he needs good game scripts, and you know he he didn't get that last week. He's probably not going to get it this week. Um, but going forward beyond this week, I still think he's like a fine RB three or flex play at least. Yeah, yeah, I can be on board with that. Anything else from this game? Nope. Closing it out with the Las Vegas Raiders at the LA Chargers on Monday night. The Chargers mm-hmm. by three in this one, over under fifty two and a half. I think the Chargers probably look tougher on defense right now than they really are after winning at Kansas city, limiting the Cowboys to 20 points before that both of those opponents topped 400 yards against the chargers. The chargers so far have allowed the seventh fewest points, but they sit right in the middle of the league in yardage allowed at 17th. So I'm not worried about anything in the chargers defense for this matchup. Nope. Neither. Um, I expect a lot of points on both sides in this game. So I like using guys from this game. I think Derek Carr, I don't know. Is he still in like, does he still get a spot start designation or is he just like an every week quarterback one at this point? He's Kirk Cousins, Uh, Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's finished quarterback nine, quarterback eight, quarterback 11. So he's been a quarterback one every week so far. He, he, Carr, he has benefited from having two overtime games, which is, you know, boosted the pass volume, but he's playing well. PFF has him second in their passing grades and the Raiders are still fifth in situation neutral pass rate. So it's been a pass leaning offense, which obviously helps Carr. So, now we'll we'll see going forward, but for this week, I, I definitely think he's a top twelve quarterback play. Yeah, leads the league in passing yards right now by one hundred and sixteen ahead of Tom Brady, <laughs> so he's playing well. He's inside our top twelve this week. Henry Ruggs suddenly seven targets in two straight games. Is he Marquise Brown level? Um, this week they're close just because the matchup's so much better for Ruggs. Um, yeah, I mean his two highest target totals of his career have come the last two weeks. Raiders seem to be using him, you know, in, in different ways versus you know just running him deep last year. Um, Ruggs was 35th in expected fantasy points two weeks ago, and he was 22nd last week. So, you know, he's getting wide receiver two, wide receiver three type usage. Again, I, I like this game, so I think Ruggs is definitely in play this week. Hunter Renfro might not match Ruggs on ceiling, but he probably has a higher floor. He's caught five-plus balls in each game so far this year. He's tied for 23rd among wideouts and catches, tied for 26th in receiving yards. He's basically Sterling Shepard light. Yeah, he, he's a safe floor playing PPR. I mean, I still don't think there's a ton of upside, um, but he has five plus catches in all three games this season. He has four plus in seven of his last nine games dating back to last season. He, he even kind of got hot at the end of last season. So, um, you know, Carr, Carr definitely trusts Renfro. And again, there should be plenty of, of passes and, and points in this game. Yeah, he's probably not going to win you the week, but the matchup could even improve if Chris Harris, the slot mm-hmm. corner for the Chargers, is out again. And I mean, if this goes to a shutout, you know, the upside on Hunter Renfro is not that he catches a 50-yard touchdown, but that he gets 10 or 11 targets and catches eight yep. or nine of them. Cole Beasley game. That's right. John Gruden is hopeful that Josh Jacobs gets back on grass this week. I didn't really get a chance to look further to see if that means there's a chance of Josh Jacobs playing or if they're just hoping that he's actually able to walk. Yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll get their first practice report later today for the Monday night game. Uh, I mean, Peyton Barber has just stepped into Josh Jacobs' role. <laughs> you know, Kenny and Drake's role hasn't changed at all. Um, and Drake's role is fine, by the way. Like, he's still getting enough passing game usage where he's been, like, a running back three. Um, I mean, Barber clearly the best target – or the best carry bet in this backfield if Josh Jacobs is out again. And, and the Chargers' run defense has been really bad so far this season. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you can use Peyton Barber this week. I'm, I'm glad to say I don't have to decide whether you use Peyton Barber this week, yeah. but he's certainly usable. Yep. On the Chargers side, it's all the usual guys who should be starting. And then Jared mm-hmm. Cook has been quiet on production the past two weeks, but he's still run the sixth most routes among tight ends so far. Yeah, sixth most routes, 10th most targets, um, ninth most air yards, and he's eighth in our expected fantasy points. So he's getting top 10 tight end usage in a good offense. Um, so I think there's definitely some you know, positive regression coming for Cook. Um, I think you know he's a borderline top 12 play this week. Yeah, he's easy to lose in a, in a very nebulous range at tight end. But don't forget about him and making your decisions down there, I think. Yep. Anything else among the Chargers? That'll do it. That's going to do it for this week four preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full week four rankings to help you finalize all of your lineup decisions. Check the My Teams page. You can get customized lineup recommendations using our projections in your league settings. You can also find us anytime in the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to join in the description for this podcast, wherever you're consuming it. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.